0: Here's a confession. Now, relax. It's not a very sexy one, but it's a confession nonetheless. Here it is. I know nothing about cryptocurrency or NFTs. Oh, I've tried. I've read about both at length, and after hours and hours of immersing myself in literature on both subjects, I've come up pretty much empty. I don't understand what they are. So, I did what anyone would do in this situation. I enlisted the help of a hip-hop blues musician from Philadelphia in between surfing on Cape Cod to explain them both to me. And guess what? He did it. I'm Alex Green, and this... By the way, you're about to learn so much about NFTs. I'm telling you, you'll be able to hold your own at a party if it comes up. And this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out
1: Taking my time, taking my time, laughing in the sunshine, laughing taking my time, taking my time, laughing in the sunshine, laughing in the Sun bump in the pack, sunshine on my back. I got some friends now staying away aside. Yeah, the music's playing, pushing you know on the can't stop at what I'm saying Walk on by, talk on by, laughing in your sunshine Laughing in your sunshine Walk on by, talk on by, laughing in your sunshine Laughing in your sunshine
0: That is the music of my guest today on the program, G-Love. Let me tell you a little bit about G-Love. Over the course of his nearly 30-year career, the Grammy-nominated G. Love has put out close to 15 albums, both solo and with his band Special Sauce. From Coast to Coast Motel to Yeah, It's That Easy to The Juice, his catalog is a consistently effortless blend of blues, hip-hop, R&B, and alternative rock. Throughout the years, G. Love has collaborated with Dr. John and Jack Johnson, played the Horde Tour, acted as the house band for Comedy Central's Turn Ben Stein On series, and helped launch the Coca-Cola advertising campaign for Coke Zero, with his own take on I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. G. Love's new album is Philadelphia, Mississippi, and it is just what its title suggests. A seamless hybrid of hip-hop and the Delta blues, that combines to make the quintessential album of this summer. Or, you know what, any summer. Putting it simply, this is a summer record. From the breezy bliss of Laughing in the Sunshine, to the infectious Love from Philly, which features Schooly D, the Luther Dickinson-produced album also features Speech from Arrested Development, Alvin Youngblood Heart, and Chuck Treese. It's got swagger, it's got soul, and it's got heart. It's a perfect record. As for NFTs, you're probably wondering why I was talking about them in the first place. Well, I was doing it because Philadelphia, Mississippi is available as a limited edition NFT. What does that mean? You don't want me to explain that. You would just get confused. You want G-Love to handle those duties. So let's get to it. Here's me and G-Love talking about NFTs and so much more right here on Stereo Embers. The Podcast.
2: and uh yeah so we it's fun because uh now is like a local of like a place like this you know we we spend all 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 cold rainy winter here and 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 it feels great now to be uh enjoying the uh the wonderful weather down here that we're that we're known for
0: <laughs> yeah yeah totally it must be kind of inspiring also to live in a place like that
2: it, it is man it's um it's been really insp- I, i've we moved out here. Um, full-time in like 2018 and um yeah i've been a city kid my whole life like i ever lived i either live in downtown philly or downtown boston and that's it that's the two places i've lived and so you know i moved down here and yeah it's been a really creative uh place and just kind of grounding really interesting to be part of a small town community where um you know you know everybody in town and everybody knows you and um you know from the guy at the convenience store to the uh you know the woman at CVs to the woman at the health food store or the wine shop or you know and then all your surfing buddies and um it's been fun and um yeah I've been able to yeah since i've been in here um well this past year you know wrote and and, and recorded two records our christmas record coming back home for christmas and of course the latest release philadelphia mississippi (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i always think of your music
0: has, has a lot to do with place so when you when you do you feel there's a different
2: sound or can you hear the new location in the music well yeah i mean especially on like the christmas albums i really kind of i've written some what i think are really beautiful songs um And especially one on the first Christmas record was called Cape Cod Winter Blues. And that's just sort of kind of become like a regional little classic around these parts. And um, But yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, like my last record, The Juice, um, the record actually prior to my latest release, Philadelphia, Mississippi, that especially had a lot of songs about you know, our lifestyle down here from Solbecue, which is about like, you know, our backyard parties and bonfires to like shine on moon where I talk about like the owl, you know, flying through the cedar trees and, um, and digging roots where I just kind of talk about like a day, like in the yard with the family and the dogs and the garden and, and the happiness of having a family. Um, so yeah, certainly like I, I'm not writing, so much about like the city streets, uh, you know, but that's fine because I've been writing about that stuff for a long time. So, uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi, um, the writing on that. Um, so I think I, I got this like new kind of homegrown, even more rootsy thing from being out here. But Philadelphia, Mississippi, the the latest album kind of actually goes back to like celebrating Philadelphia because there's an the airplane going over the top, but um goes back to celebrating like the kind of more urban vibes but you know i got that little bit of roots rootsy thing happening still you know what i mean yeah because you you can't take the philadelphia out of the lad well yeah we say you can take the kid out of philly but you can't take the philly out of the kid (laughs) that's right (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's right. So no matter, no matter where you are, Philadelphia is going to show up. Like whether right. it's a bucolic setting or a, a surfside setting, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that, that I think that kind of makes it kind of cool.
2: Yeah, actually, there's a song. So the, the the first single and the first track on the album from Philadelphia, Mississippi, is the song "Love from Philly," featuring Schoolie D and Chuck Trees. And my my line on my on my verse one of my oh actually it might be on the alt version but it goes so no matter where i roam like electricity is flowing through me like the kite to the key to the money and cryptocurrency and my feet is connected to the street so no matter where i roam the center of philly is alive in my bones and in my blood <laughs> there you go yeah there you go so, yeah it, it's funny like a thing about people from the 215 is that like they're always pretty vocal about it. I've noticed this all around the world in my travels doing shows. You always, the people that are from Philly that show up at the show is always, yo, <laughs> they let you know. You know I mean? yeah. yeah, because Schoolie D is, is he one of those guys? Schoolie D is um, known as the originator of gangsta hip hop. Right. And he was an 80s rapper, is an, a rapper that I should say started his career in the 80s, you know, so alongside with like Will Smith, you know, it's easy to Fresh Prince and those guys steady B from the hilltop, of West Philadelphia of uh, Philadelphia. And, um, and then later on in his career, he it was he had another resurgence in his career in the two thousands, when he did the theme song for the famous, uh, animation series, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Hunger Force. Yeah. I remember so that. Been, that was a really huge thing <Loki> for him. And, um, yeah, it's he's also like just funny thing like um sorry just being in 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 philadelphia um it's like click my screen and then it got small um ah um yeah the funny thing about being in philadelphia is that when aiden my oldest son was a young boy he was you know, the same age as Schoolie's daughter, and they used to play at the park together. So just kind of funny, like little thing. And then we just reconnected like 20 years later to do this track. So it's been really cool.
0: That's really cool. Someone told me I got into him when I was in college in like '90, and someone told me they're like the thing you gotta understand about Schoolie D is that he's actually making it up as he goes along. He's a total like a real freestyler, like he's a real improvisational um talent. And I started really digging into him and I couldn't, he kind of knocked
2: me out, man. Yeah, actually, it was actually to your point, it was it was crazy because when he came in the studio, so we, we recorded the record in Coldwater, Mississippi, uh, Luther Dickinson produced it alongside with myself and my musical partner, Chuck Treese, who's another iconic Philly legend. Um, he was the first African-American on the cover of Thrasher magazine, so really, was a pioneer bringing like skateboarding into the black community, but that's a whole other <laughs> story. But um, back to Schoolie D. When Schoolie came in the studio, we cut it down in Kensington and Philly, and um, Schoolie kind of had like some, some It was actually really cool. He had taken the track and like put it on this app in his phone. Basically, did like a remix on the trap with, track with like a boom bap hip hop beat. And so, if you listen to the track, it starts with his fucking phone. Playing his like app made beat, and then we put that along with the live beat, and so it was popping in the studio. i was like holy shit, this is just everything I wanted to be. And Schooly <laughs> came in. He kind of had like a verse kind of fleshed out, but not really. And then he was like, he he said something was really interesting to me. He was like, "Gee, if I can just become Schooly D for 15 minutes, we will make a hit. Like if I can become." the authentic schooly dean it was almost like he needed to like go into character right cuz you have to understand he's he's uh he's, he just turned 60 <laughs> he's an older guy now he's just, he's you know and, and he hasn't so whatever It's just like it was just interesting it's always interesting to me when musicians talk about like, getting into character yeah. so he was like I got to get in character so man he and I were like in the my, in the studio control room both with handhelds like you know he wanted to come in have a couple drinks he wanted to get into the zone bro and he came in and he had his first line and then i kind of would like so we get the first line so we just thought we were like yo let's get the first line okay boom we got the first okay let's get let's get the second line so what are we saying again and then we would start out. we walked around the control room like full on and and then we got this epic verse out of schoolie and and that was that man it's it's crazy
0: do you i mean is it um so you actually saw him turn into schoolie d (laughs) you
2: actually saw it happen yeah and 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 Alex it was like for a minute it was like holy shit I'm thinking man this is not gonna happen like he can't get he can't get a line like he can't get through one line and then all of a sudden it just like he turned it on like everything like fired and like connected and it was just like boom it was just like he said if he could become schooly for 15 minutes and his voice is so dope like and his cadence and the way he hits the beat and everything he said is everything he says is so authentic so like you know it's just like and then it was unbelievable cuz cuz you know everybody knows another thing that made him famous with the, the the Beastie Boys sam- sampled that his famous line looking at my Gucci it's about that time and he dropped that line in the song mm-hmm. and like this song kind of came out of this love from Philly Fest that happened during the pandemic and I was tapped to write this little jingle which turned into this song and then they're bringing it home with school D is like wow and then he dropped looking at the Gucci, it's about this time so it's good we have like yeah i mean the, the, the and it just comes to a broader point which is the whole reason i want to make this record right was because i'm always on the search both within myself and as a fan for like authentic music and like authentic people that say and sing and write authentic things and like that's kind of the goal right as an artist to be original and to be authentic and like you know some people are born authentic and some people like you know me i feel like i had to be a student for so many years my love for the music of hip-hop and delta blues like that's that's what i have this passion and love and belief in that music and just wanting to be make it you know even though i in a sense had no business being you know making it but it's the love that drew me to it like you know and that and that that's that's where i ended up so now like i'm always anytime i can help like emerging artists to get a platform or like you know immerse myself with a player like kingfish or alvin young blood Heart or school D, and spend hours with them and just get to absorb what they're doing. It's just like that's that's what I'm all about, you know.
0: It's really cool that you have all these different people on the album. Um but I imagine everyone approaches the work totally differently. So, how is the experience of watching all these different people work in the studio?
2: It it's 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 really interesting to see different people's process like in the studio because um god, man, like <laughs> Some people get really weird in the studio, some people are really comfortable, some people are nervous, some people are like it just opens the mop. I mean, it's crazy. Um and this record in particular was you know the the concept of this record um originally was to for me to go down and I wanted to ask Cedric Burnside to produce a record for me in Mississippi, right? And call it Philadelphia Mississippi. And um I, um, and I had reached out to Cedric, but you know, um, for whatever reason, he declined the project, which is which is all good. You know, we, we remain friends and I obviously remain a huge fan support of what he does. But yeah, so I tapped Luther Dickinson um, to produce, his father produced my second record. And he's a real like community leader in the you know, hill country blues. In Mississippi, where it lives so we went to cold water, and he was able to tap into his network there. So, yeah, it was crazy like um the people that came through and it was it clearly was going to be this pilgrimage of Chuck and I coming down from Philadelphia to Mississippi, bringing like this hip-hop blues that we've been doing as a duo during the pandemic um, and and just immersing ourselves with these these emerging young men and women young men young blues men and women right and also like old timers, like alvin young Bloodheart, who was my label made it okay records and rl Boyce, who i didn't even hear hear about but i spent one of the greatest musical couple hours of my life with him drinking a bottle of whiskey and playing harmonica while he sang a set of blues while the tape was running i mean it was like that's his own record you know i mean this shit was crazy and um the collaborative aspect i don't even know what i'm talking about anymore. that that was everything in this record you know
0: did you always think of
2: of g love as a character um i kind of yes and kind of no like um like i've always felt the sense that like when i go to perform right and as a young person as a street musician i did this like i would not just go out on the street you know with a t-shirt on i would put like a sucker suit on you know my dopest pumas with the fat laces <laughs> i guess the baddest the, the coolest hat i had or not and then go out on the street and it was always about and then when we started the band it was the same thing i was doing you know like it was the gear like we all had vintage gear like jeff on drums he would have like his vintage kit and it's really important and then Jimmy Jazz had his upright bass and I had my dobro played through an old Ampeg Rocket Reverse. All our gear was all this old, old gear. And like, I would wear like all these polyester suits from a thrift store. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, because I know this to be a fact. The first time we came through Pontiac, Michigan, a bunch of future rock stars were at our show. And how do I know? Because they both told me that they were at this show separately. Jack White was at the show and Kid Rock was at the show. And when mm. I got to hang with both those guys after their huge success, they were like, yo, I'll never forget that night when you guys played Pontiac. And um it was funny because when when Jack White came out with the white stripes and the red and white guitar, because I used to have this blue and white guitar and all the thrift store clothes. And he came out with the red and white guitar and like all the perfectly thought up, like I mean, he nailed it. Like he kind of took what I was doing, but I'm quite sure that like he kind of got the idea for that presentation at the g 11 special saw show now we never had it together as much as he did as far as like (laughs) everything being like perfectly you know visually impactful you know we always had a little dissonance as a group if you look at the early like if you go back and look at youtube footage of us in the 90s like we're like what the fuck are these guys wearing (laughs) (laughs) well like um yeah you know but but yeah i mean it's part of it but it was that thing when you go on stage right you're not just going it's you're getting to transform into something else you're getting to transform into the superhero i think or an actor and i think bob weir had a chance to sit backstage with him at a dead and co show the first year they did did, they started that project and he said um you know because he because we were talking about like he was just saying you know I think John you know, Mayer's doing good. He just doesn't need to understand like what we do as the dead is we're an opera. So when we go on the stage, we're all in character. And the further you can go into that character, that's when the, the power of the music and the community rises. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like to hear Bob Weir like put it so well like that because when you think about the dead, right? It's not, it's never, it's, there's like no ego or like rock star shit, or anything involved. It's just about these songs and the sincerity which they perform them at, and you know obviously the musical exploration. But just to hear him talk about going into character, so yeah, yeah. You know, G Love is is a character in that sense,
0: and also I think when you when you had kids, didn't you? Didn't the sort of the the line between G
2: Love and Dad like those are two different people, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like having kids quickly, you know, both the journey that I had with Aiden and still have him as a young man and the journey I'm having with Lewis Garrett and June who are six, two and one. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, but the, the boys from a young age, like they all like recognize like this harmonica thing and they all want to like, it's funny when they're all around like two, like Lewis is six now he's a little shy about coming on stage but he was so into it when he was like you know two to four and then little Garrett now wants to run out on stage and um, it's just interesting they they know you know they know what daddy does like and that that's that's what we do and and they want to engage in it um, and Aiden to his right became like he's going to school for architecture now but he makes sick ass beats like he is he's an artist known as clear cola although his stepfather's artist named will daly out of boston and so he grew up with like two musical working dads mm. and it's interesting he's like no i don't want to do that <laughs> but i still love to make music like he's a great drummer too but he's like no i think i'm going go to architecture <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like that's a good thing son all right i gotta go bg love now
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah <laughs> with, with with such a young family, is it is it easier to or harder to go from like being a dad to accessing the G love superhero like putting 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 on the the uniform again is it is it clearer or is it or is it trickier because you're like, oh, I gotta make sure that guy eat his dinner or you know or goes to sleep or you know those sort of dad concerns and then there's g love concerns
2: yeah no man it's a great point and and so there's so one thing was when aiden was born right i was 29 or 30 and like most people of that age in our generation still trying to figure it out like what am, uh, what is life what am i here for What what what's happening like you know i'm 10 years into my career like kind of drifting and then when aiden was born it was like everything was like shoo- that's the meaning of life right to make babies and um and when i just said that i certainly want to say that women should uh absolutely have the control to when and if they want to have babies and not be forced to carry and that's another huge thing that happened this past week that's just so far in my mind so yeah amen but just you know when when i had aiden um you know for me like everything was um came into focus and it was like okay this is what i'm here to do like to raise this this young baby that i immediately love so much right so dad brought a lot of focus and energy into my career and then when things didn't work out with his mother which was devastating uh, not because we were great together you know much love to her and and her family but her and i were like oil and water right when that didn't work it was terrible for both of us and for aiden right but and for anybody that's not able to be with their kid you can know what i'm saying because child support and the courts and everything like that is just a terrible terrible thing to have to go through another reason why people should have the right to choose (laughs) but again like um when i when that happened it was like all right when every minute that i cannot be with my son because i legally can't be with him right i'm going to be busting ass on my career right Um, because what else is there like i don't care about anything else now than my son and i can't be i can't see him so let me focus on my music as hard as i can so that that and anyhow long story short now second time around um you know being in more of a stable relationship a loving supportive family and being together and committed and raising the family together again the focus is my wife and i uh kelsey and i just like teaming up as a small business mom and pops you know working every day together you know she bust ass for me behind the scenes and um just kind of supporting what we are which is like a mom and pops music you know music is what we're selling and giving and bringing to the farmers to the farm stand every day and you know so it's a sense of community in our family and um yeah so the fatherhood and the music kind of goes hand in hand as a common goal that this is what provides for my family right and also i'm not gonna, I'm just gonna finish us but the other flip side of it is that the hardest thing in the world is when the music takes you away from the family which it does because we have to tour right so it's just a balancing act and that's that's the only way you could put it
0: yeah it, it, it's that old idea of like the traveling salesman it's the it's kind of the same thing right you got to get yeah. out there and sell the stuff
2: right and it's like you know there's a lot of times um you know <laughs> i have this song called home from the fixing to die record and i can barely sing it cuz every time i sing it i start crying like cuz i don't perform it often but it's and like you know jack johnson has that song I hope this old train would break down and there's so many songs that us musicians have written, like neil young everybody knows this is nowhere and a million yeah. tunes that are like the musician pining for being home because it's it's a rough man it's it's just so rough to god it's like you know i don't know man if i don't know if if i could you know make a million gazillion dollars off record sales which you can't anymore but maybe it's nfts
0: <laughs> yeah uh, which i want to ask you about in a, in a second but even when you because you and i are around the same age but even like if you look at bands like motley crew in the 80s like home sweet home is a song by a, like a sleazy arena band who are dying to be home right you, you know, even even like journeys faithfully. It's like, what do we we? Our success has taken us so far into the Willy Loman territory of being the yeah. traveling salesman. All we want to do is we're looking for stability
2: to sit at home with our with our yeah. life. You know, well, it's you know? like the right the Pink Floyd, the Home. It's like home. It's nice to be here when I can. Oh my God, that yeah. line is like, oh my God,
0: <laughs> It's the same thing. Like, oh, you know, I, I've always felt that you're like even. You know the mixture of of blues and hip-hop but i also felt that there was a, a punk rock undercurrent to what you do the diy so even now like the mom and pop business as diy that's about as punk rock as you can be um
2: and i think wasn't chuck in bad brains for a blank wasn't he with them a yeah. little bit yeah, well chuck like he's his his band is mick rad which is like the oh, oh, most iconic skate punk or like the first skate punk band yeah and then yeah, he's been a part of MacRat. I'm sorry, Bad Brains. He's been a part of a lot of people. Like he's been a part of the Roots, been a part of G Love and Special Sauce, been a part of Urge Overkill. Yeah. Um, been a part of um um Santo Gold. Um, he's helped a lot of like. He's he's been a part of Spearhead, Michael Franti and Spearhead. He's one of the original members of that. I forgot about that. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. So he's and the goats also the goats yeah there's a that's a really yeah
0: like chuck has a pretty wide palette but for for you punk rock must have been important to you growing well, up
2: i have to just i have to say i totally missed it really um, yeah it's crazy because you think like i because i was a skater but um yeah like for me it it went from like hip-hop reggae and then like classic rock and roll. Cause I was, because I'll tell you why um, Alex, because like it was, cause I, all, I I grew up learning acoustic guitar never played electric guitar. So like the music as a young teen that I uh, like kind of um, was drawn towards was like folk music and reggae and hip hop for sure. But then the music I was playing was like this kind of like, you know, acoustic rock, like the birds, Bob Dylan, you know, Peter, Paul, and Mary, <laughs> like, not, hip, but not punk rock at all, no, <laughs> yeah. So I never got it, and it's, it's so funny, well, because, obviously, Chuck is punk rock, and then, when the Slightly Stupid guys started taking off, you know, we were kind of helping them up, and we'd always, they'd start opening up for us a lot of shows, and, like, our, you know, they were told, God, I did not want to say this. I didn't tell him, but like our agent was like, you're not to play punk rock at, for the G-Love opening <laughs> slot. Just play the reggae shit and the hip hop. <laughs> Which they do really well. Yeah, um, of course they didn't give a fuck. Of course they played the fucking yeah. punk rock shit and everybody loves it, it. Well, but you, as a skater, I'm
0: thinking of like California skaters. It was like you would skate and they'd, someone would bring a boom box out and just play a bunch of punk rock stuff. So you must've been punk rock adjacent. It just didn't land on you
2: yeah I mean, yeah, honestly, I don't even remember that. like it was I, maybe I was too early because, like, yeah, it, or not, I, I wasn't too early. It was just like everybody was into hip hop like so the the skate culture in Philly it was interesting because it went from like everybody playing basketball to skateboarding. and then all the skaters became graffiti writers and then mm-hmm. later became musicians or dJs. so, um yeah, it was just a really interesting kind of like transformation of all these skate kids and the graffiti writers. This is all happening during your formative like teenage years you went from breaking the law of skateboarding, which because people don't know now. like if you're a surfer or a skater growing up now and you're a kid and your parents are taking you to skate camp and surf camp, like we used to have to get like beat up and chased by the cops and told not to surf here and not to skate here. and um and now it's like it's a different thing. so we have a nice, lot nicer community of kids growing up sharing their parks and waves you know what i mean yeah but like when we were kids it was it was that's not what it was it was counterculture now it's like you know it's part of the general culture
1: two one two one two in the place I come out. Yeah. School of D, born and raised in Philadelphia. Sit right away, you know I got some fucking love for you. G, love, you know what am coming right after you. Your school of D, you know I gotta get back to you. Sucking MC just is for the help of you. Fucking with us, it, like fucking Fuckin with, with the mafia. West Philly, straight down to Mississippi. Chuck, chicks, on the beat, won't you hit me? me? I'm not cold, but i You can feel it, That it's a fat bomb, you can kill it A few things have been working on my mind I'm Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time One, two, one, two, three, and Love from Philly, love from Philly, love Something. The triple K bustin' teeth with the shoes on it. I got a new blues on it. I get a new fuse on it. G love in the house, blues on it. We got a groove on it. Yo, love from Philly. Love from Philly. Love. Live an article. Vote best. Trippin' daisies with the fun guys, clutch moves since old pine, old times But they keep getting better, don't call me cheese whiz, cause I'm stackin' cheddar And don't ask about Geno's or pies. I say you're from Philly, if Cherry Hill's where you hang your high I'm one with Jersey, and ain't nothin' wrong If you put a nap, I've up a tree, Jersey, alone Or even better, Nick Foles, busting belly Philly Philly, and bring that shit back home Don't be greedy, spread this chili love all around the world, cause in Philadelphia, freedom, freedom! Oh
0: kids it was always like misfits minor threat right blaring you could you could you would walk by and you'd hear it and you'd see them and it was like that was part of the yeah. so it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because it was there's a real difference in terms
2: of the regional approach i think it was hip-hop it was like everyone was rocking like you know run dmc and schoolie mm-hmm. d and dj jazz mm-hmm. jefferson Freshmans and the beastie boys of course was like huge soundtrack and then like everybody started getting into hip-hop like Boogie Dan Productions and then De La Soul drops, you know what I'm saying? And that all happened while I was in high school, mm-hmm. Eric being rock him, So that's what everybody was gravitating towards. Yeah. Tribe Called Quest. Right. Well, Tribe Called Quest, I didn't get till I was like first year in college, mm. which was like 91 or 92. I don't, yeah. maybe I was like, cause I, I'd missed their first record somehow, but I, the first Tribe record I got was the Low End Theory. Yeah, and then went back to people's rhythmic pads. I think that's what that. Yeah,
0: right, right. That's when I got into because I have like two years on you, and that was my first entry point in. Um, but yeah, they were God. They were they were big. You said something earlier, that I want to ask you about the NFT thing, um, where we can both feel old for a minute. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, you were saying that you were mentioning like you thought I had no business making this music was something you had said earlier. Mm-hmm. When did you feel? comfortable being a guy who does make this music the hybrid of these two very distinctive genres and putting your own g love spin on it when did you start to feel like this is what i'm going to do and i and i'm and i'm comfortable doing this there's no imposter syndrome for me
2: yeah i mean i i clearly felt that way in the beginning and there was a time when i questioned the validity or the the right to do what i was doing um when our first record dropped and then like the spotlight all of a sudden because we were street musicians and a bar band in boston and then we got a major label record deal so all of a sudden you know people are asking you like so and then it came out that um so this this um guy named tom moon who's a journalist out of philadelphia wonderful guy and hugely helped my career by writing our four-star rolling stone review However, um he met my parents who have always been big supporters, even when I was rebelling against them, saying, Don't come to my fucking shows, you know, you, you don't understand, like I can't have you here, you know. Because uh I'm a white rapper, you know, and people can't see that I have parents, you know. And I don't I don't wanna have parents. Go away. But of course they would still come and then and my father's like the proudest guy ever. So like uh so like this guy, Tom Moon sees this older couple at the bar at the Pontiac on South Street in Philly. And so, who are you? And he's, oh, we're G-Lo's parents. What's your name? Oh, my name's Gary Dutton. Oh, well then, and what do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer here in Philadelphia. So then I came, so then he, my father's name is Louis Garrett Dutton Jr. Right. My name's Garrett, Garrett Drew Dutton, right? So he wrongfully assumed that I was Garrett Dutton the third. And so the the rolling stone press which is our biggest press and in the front page of all our press packs said g love a garrett dutton the Third, aka g love son of prominent philadelphia lawyer <laughs> so like immediately like i'm this kid trying to live this like a uh, street life you know not want to be black but like playing black music two kinds blues and hip-hop and now they just outed me as like a rich white kid from Philadelphia. You know, what I mean, like what? So everyone was asking me, like, how do you have the right to sing and appropriate black music and culture? And it was like and I was 20 and it was like, wow, I was like, this is fucking not what I signed up for. And it was like that was really hard. Uh, and then over the years, you know, always got the acceptance from artists, whether it was Taj Mahal, or Q-Tip, or anybody in between, like always got love from the artists. Uh, like I remember, we opened up for tropical Called Quest at, on a college tour, and Q-Tip was like big bro. And like I remember, we had this real tough crowd one night, you know, and just people hating on us. And I had some tough shows opening up for hip-hop acts in the '90s, but well, Q-Tip came out, yo, y'all make some noise for G Love and special They came out and did their thing, you know, and it was like, it was a, yeah, it was really meant a lot, you know. What I mean. Um, but yeah it was it was tough but then over the years you know you earn your stripes and then you know now you're at a point where no one questions it because i'm right. solidified in at least uh, you know the blues world and hip-hop's a pretty insular community uh, i don't think a lot of but 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 hip-hop artists know who we are and that's a testament to who's on this record speech fucking freddie fox <laughs> can you get harder than freddie fox and school D. so like yo like bro speech is my biggest like you know mc influence like he when i heard this on tennessee coming through the airwaves i nearly crashed my car and i was like holy shit this guy's rap singing Mm -hmm. changed my life and now you know and, and we're friends and he's on my album it's like so yeah so you know you keep plugging away you earn your stripes you earn your spot um but you have to earn it you know what i mean yeah I heard the author Saul
0: Bellow once said on this subject he said if you're strong enough to carry it then you carry it right and if you're not strong enough people people will know and so you are clearly strong
2: enough and so it's like you did it done (laughs) (laughs) done yeah I mean it's it's yeah it's just you know I, I think what it is you know is if you can hang around long enough too then that's part of it too like if you can just hang around long enough right then you know, everyone's got to accept that, that you have a spot. Like I remember, um, Juan Nelson, Ben, who passed, you know, rest in peace, Juan, like he was such an awesome guy. And, uh, you know, from Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals, um, <laughs> you know, like Ben was always like a big fan and he's just a couple years older, older than me. And like, you know, peers with my drummer and he's always been supporter blah 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 and and we let lo- we love ben and and the whole band we've we've done a lot with him over the years but the point is that Juan is like a old like he was like the senior you know african-american guy and he would be like oh you're here again like oh okay and there was a couple festivals he kept being like oh you still you're still showing up around here right you know so i think like at first a lot of people like if you take that like someone like one was like you know what the fuck is this bullshit and then oh this guy's still showing up like okay respect you know what i mean
0: <laughs> yeah i've i realized once i turned 50 i was like
2: i think endurance is 99 percent of this game right right yeah you know? yeah yeah of everything of everything that's why like when people say like yo your health like your health is everything because like i'm and then just to the point of like Juan passing or anybody that you know that you know how i'm 49 you're same age i'm 52. you're old man so yeah i'm old. <laughs> well like you know but but yeah. our our age like we're starting to get to the age where like you know some friends are are, are dying or yeah. you know, people that you looked up to as a kid they're 10 years older than you are, are dying and people have health problems. And then you, and then you think about like guys that, you know, that you're friends with that, that have passed. And then you think about the life you're living now, like every day. And you like really start to think, wow, you know, like, man, it's so sad. Like they missed a lot of life. And then, and then when you get sick for a day or whatever, or a week or whatever, and then, you know, your health is everything, you know, it's, it, you just start to realize like, wow, it's like, it's everything. It you is. Know, we, being endurance you
0: know. endurance it, it comes down to in, in every aspect of life i totally agree with you um well with with you being 49 and me 52 that's a combined hundred years let's see if we can figure <laughs> out how to explain nfts to my audience all
2: right so the nft is what we call a non-fungible token um okay. which is um is basically you could think of uh the the blockchain as the new internet and the non-fungible token as being a, um, like uh, an amount of data that's what we call mined. So it's called proof of work or proof of stake where someone had to mine through computer programming and data coding this, this chain of code, right? So in that sense, it's a storable asset similar to gold because it actually is this, even though it lives on a digital program, right? As software, it's still like almost a tangible thing. It's so hard to wrap your head around it, but everyone's heard of Bitcoin and Ethereum and cryptocurrency at this point. So NFTs, if we want to break it down to what they are, like you could just think of them as collectibles, right? Right. So you could think about it when you were a kid, if you collected Smurfs or comic books or baseball cards, And why were they valuable? Well, they're valuable because someone else wants them and they will buy them from you. So that's similar thing as NFTs. Uh, These are collectibles that people are trading, they're buying and selling, or they're just enjoying the artwork. Um, And how does this work for music? Well, for one thing, if we look back to 2001 when Napster came out and that caught the music industry with digital piracy and basically pants, the music industry with shit the bed, afterwards now i think we're going to come up and see that again right now on the blockchain because for me i just my new album philadelphia mississippi is available as an nft why would you buy that well you buy it because 90 percent of the royalties from that sale are going to come to me and my team to fund the making of the record do we make money well you already make money in the records we don't make and have never made hardly any revenue on our albums right like they've basically all lost money for 30 years and maybe i should maybe i'm making shitty records or (laughs) i'm just not selling enough or even when i was selling a lot they were spending so much to promote it but whatever it is like if you want to cut out the middleman spotify apple and support the music, because that's the other thing is like the music um i'm not complaining i'm just telling people how it is right like When the music industry got pants, when I mean out when the record labels and they and everyone went out of business and they consolidated and then music streaming became legal. And then huge companies like Spotify and Pandora became some of the and Apple became some of the biggest companies in the world. They did do deals with the label. However, the label did not pay the artists. Right. So the artists got fucked again like they always do. So now this is like full circle where. Yo, the, the community-driven projects and community-supported projects, these NFTs, um, now these are the royalties staying in the creator's hands. The consumer has the opportunity to use it as an investment. And if a project's doing well, to resell your NFT as at a profit, right? So it's giving incentive to the customer wins, the artist wins. Mm-hmm. There's no middleman it's the the communities are all built on trust bitcoin itself is a proof as a trust right all these cryptocurrencies most of them are mined by thousands of different people that don't know each other all around the world so it's it's a lot to wrap your head around but this is going to be the future and you're going to see it like come so we're early on it so to that note we offered a thousand NFTs and have sold 52. (laughs) So now (laughs) we are just offering 300 and trying to sell it out. But, um, and if you're like, well, why would I get that? Well, you get a gold vinyl. So, uh, you know, we're talking about like, what's the two things left, the ultimate way to consume your music on the analog vinyl. Right. And the digital aspect of it, which, which supports your favorite artists. Right.
0: Right. And like you said, everybody <laughs> wins. And, I mean, you know, it's because like Forbes wrote this article a few months ago where they said the, what's the great thing about NFTs is, is that it brings back the idea that something can be scarce, right? right? Right. It's finite. There's a finite number. And so people are like, it's like when you buy a print that says like, you know, number 300 of, of yeah. 650. And it's like, yeah. okay, so you've got one of these things. And so the right. scarcity kind of brings more fervor to
2: people wanting to own something because there's so few of them right yeah i mean yeah it's interesting you know like so yeah just to your point like street artists they they were on that concept right banksy and fail and cause like doing these print series you know one of 200 or like editions of 250 or 500 well of course andy warhol did it right all the artists have always been doing this like the the soup can. Famous prints were all um there's 20 different prints. They're each right. two editions of 250. So that that's scarce. And then and then musicians have kind of got hip to it. Also in the in, you know, in the last however doing limited edition tour posters like Dave Matthews every night does like, you know, and people like are at the gate. Waiting to get in and run to the booth and try and get them because then they flip them right away. Like if you look online, the Dave Matthews posters are like you know, worth a thousand bucks. So there's guys that are just flipping, and that's what it. It's street art, and yeah. And then people have been doing limited edition vinyl runs, which uh, that's been successful for some musicians. And and now the NFTs, just that's it, scarcity. Except they're not that scarce because a lot of them are editions of ten thousand. Right. But right. The, even in that they're worth millions some of them are worth millions of dollars it's unbelievable yeah
0: it's a smart idea and it's also a a nice way to think like hey this can now be a great
2: way as a revenue stream that didn't exist before this could be this could be a, a way to go yeah like i just i just played um the nftc convention which was a satellite of nft nyc which is a big just a huge nft uh festival in new york city which happened last week we played an nft nftc event and um and chuck and i performed and um and then like two like kind of unknown artists unknown to me performed after us and it's just amazing they were more like you could tell they were like had really big support within the community as far as being like artists that are coming out for the first time on blockchain right as opposed to me who's like a kind of old old like an established musician entering the blockchain um these people were like blockchain artists I and mean, the one woman i forget her name but she was like a female rapper she's known as like the first like you know, female blockchain mc and i talked to her before at, at soundcheck and she was like and i was like yeah like how many like um she's like I was like what's up she's like oh yeah I'm I'm you know first woman uh blockchain rapper and um you know yeah I she just dropped that she's like yeah I sold a lot of NFTs this past year since February and way more than I made way more than I would have with a record deal so well, she, and then I asked her how many she sold and she said oh, I sold 250 and I was like oh well I mean yeah I mean she probably I don't know I mean but then we looked at her yeah like her um her floor price is like one point two ethereum which at its highest point would have been close to seven thousand dollars and yeah. now is you know fifteen hundred bucks so if you do the math, two hundred fifty times fifteen hundred is like four hundred so yeah. thousand dollars that's that's <laughs> not a bad haul i mean that's amazing like that's as big of record deals as you would have got in the '90s when the labels were giving them out, you know. Right. It's also
0: a cool thing because it's like
2: the the fan can invest in the
0: artist. Like it's like if you, you know, like I think all of my favorite bands growing up, and like I would have, you know, done anything for these bands. Well, now you can actually invest in them, and it's like your your belief in them becomes a tangible thing
2: through a non fungible. <laughs> medium but still it's pretty cool yeah i mean yeah it's exactly right so like i said it's like you know you 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 can actually so again like this comes to like if you've ever gone to an art gallery like because i'm like a visual art collector and um and i you know you would (laughs) when you go to like art gallery and you're talking to like the gallery um person and they and you'd say something like you know do you feel like this artist is going to be a good investment? And the first thing that they're going to say is "No, I would only buy this piece if you truly love the art, you know what I mean? Because that's the, that's kind of the fallback It's like, you know, only, you know, buy my record if if you love my music, but yeah, I, I hope that you're going to make some money off it. I hope I make some money off it. And I hope that would be awesome to me. If like my fans could make a shit ton of money off of my record, like what could be a better situation. But again, you know, like you gotta, that's the same thing. You can buy NFT, you, you better like looking at it because not all projects succeed on the back end. So right. again, my, my NFT, like you're buying a record, it's a little more pricey than if you just buy it on iTunes or the store, but you're getting also the, the the blockchain aspect of it, which, and if we think like, well, this could be in 10 years from now, maybe like some of the early adopters, artists like myself and other musicians that are doing this, these records could be like sought after because, wow, these were the first generation of like music album NFTs. Yeah. I know
0: that in that lyric that you cited at the beginning of the interview, you were, you mentioned cryptocurrency. Have you, especially with this now going NFT with this, have you also just researched crypto just for your own, for your own uh, personal understanding? I thought like maybe I'll dabble in that a little bit
2: just for fun. Or is it, is it just feel over your head? No, 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 no. Like um, I've, I kind of got into the space, like, just in 2017 actually we were down and wow. playing gigs and can you hear me yeah i got you. in 2017 um we were playing gigs in uh, Miami for art Basel which which I always do um cuz like i said i'm a visual art collector so i always go down and play gigs and the money that i made at my gigs i'd go buy like an emerging artist that i loved and and i've made some pretty nice calls on stuff that i got early um but like we were staying at these people's houses and it was during 2017 when like was the first time that most people's bitcoin got on most people's radar because it made a huge jump and people were like that were in it og style were like making like crazy money um so i was these guys were like make like had like coinbase accounts with like millions of dollars on them and and i was like what what is it what is it and they're just like look just get a coinbase just download the coinbase app and like throw whatever you could put in it like 100 500 000 bucks and just buy some bitcoin and buy some ethereum and just get into it so that's what i did and and i didn't do any type of research i said let me just do this so i did and then and then you start to learn about well then the, then crypto shit the bed and if you're on a coinbase like or any other app there's they always trying to educate everyone. there's a lot of stuff you can read on these different platforms, whether it's BlockFi or Kucoin or like whatever, you know, Coinbase. Everyone's trying to educate people as to they're trying to onboard people as to what this is and why this is important for a future of finance. What I say is it's the great financial revolution of our time and the great financial equalizer of our of our time. Because this is the first time where like this is new created wealth that anybody the kid that's working at the gas station or the homeless person with a cell phone can buy bitcoin Um, or there's the country el salvador which now they're using that as their as their main currency because you know regular money is just printed money like if people are like well that's not real money well if you hold a stack of us dollars my friend let me tell you since 1972 it has not been backed by gold it's backed by just the theory that america's strong and has a huge military that's it you know what i mean but like there's no there's no gold behind your dollars it's just paper right it's just a belief so yeah like i've I've done a lot of education and um yeah but i'm just also just you know trying to make some trying to make some money off it as well but but it's it's interesting you you get into it being like wow it's like free money it's it's taking off but then like right now it's called a bear market where it's shitting the bed so you got to hold on dear life it's called so don't sell you know i mean just keep buying (laughs) right right right, exactly
0: well to me it's a great opportunity for an artist to make a living in a way they weren't before yeah Um, and to me that that is incredibly important and and vital in 2022
2: yeah i mean look you know art and music you know are are such important parts of our culture Um, and but but they're also like sometimes it's hard to justify like you know um, because it's not food it's not infrastructure it's not clothes it's not heat or shelter you know I mean these are things to look at and things that make you feel good when you hear them but it's such a basic part of like human culture since you know the caveman times I like to say you can imagine that when the first humans started communicating some guy was banging on the rocks and they gathered around a campfire and started dancing and that's been happening now you know since the beginning of of the of human kind and it's so then you say like well what is the price tag on it and and again this goes back to like putting Uh, like we mentioned earlier in in the talk, like about hip hop and being part of limitations. There was no funding for music programs in African-American communities. So they had no instruments. And how did they make hip hop? Well, there was an old turntable in their house. They started scratching on it and made a way to make music. And now it's the biggest music in the world. So there's no stopping music. And, you know, there's, how do you put a price tag or a value on it? You know, the thing that gives you a lot of happiness. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, man, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. I'm really glad we got a chance to sit down and do this. Um thank I appreciate you.
0: you.
2: What's, that? What's that? I said thank you, and I'm all coffee up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna get a surf in or are you are you done for the day? I think yeah, no, I'm done. I, I did have a couple of interviews and I'm this I'm wrapped and um yeah, I am gonna go check in with wife. And I think, yeah, I think we're gonna try and go down the beach. I think there's a little a little tiny wave. Um, so yeah, maybe go go out in there and get wet.
0: Well, dude, you're the best. I'm so glad uh, we did this, and um, I'm excited about the new album, the NFTs, and I can't wait for you to come to San Francisco. I can see you
2: play. Right on. Well, thanks so much, Alex, and big shout out to your fans. Oh yeah, before I go, if anybody want to find out about me? Twitter at G Love, um, G Love and Special Sauce on Facebook, Instagram at Philly G Love um and philadelphonic.com is our home base the um all the links for the nft and just to buy or stream um the albums are on there and i hope everyone takes a chance to um check out philadelphia mississippi one way or another because uh it debuted at number one on the blues charts which was our first number one which i know it's just the blues charts but that was awesome to see it up there And uh, Yeah, thanks for all the support and uh, much love to everybody out there. Thanks, buddy. I hope you'll come back on. Anytime, man. That was awesome. Thank you, man.
0: understand nfts now you do right i got it g love is a natural teacher i feel like if that guy taught my geometry class when i was like 15 i wouldn't have gotten a um you know d minus philadelphonic is where you're gonna find g love i know he gave you all the details but i'm giving them to you again get his new album philadelphia mississippi it is phenomenal He's a lovely guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was really cool. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me or follow me on Twitter at EmbersEditor. By the way, is Elon Musk buying Twitter? Where are we with that? I should ask G. Love. I'm sure he could explain that. Um, I don't know. I was going to get off Twitter if Elon Musk was going to buy it. Now he's saying, I don't want to buy it. But Twitter is saying, well, you have to. So there's going to be a big court case, I'm guessing. So I'll keep tweeting until that gets resolved. I'm sure everybody's relieved I'm still on Twitter, at Embers Editor, like I said, or on Instagram, at Embers Podcast, or just email me. Elon Musk has nothing to do with that. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. And don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate and review, and tell all your friends. We would appreciate it. Thank you for helping us spread the word about our program. Also, check out bombshellradio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. Speaking of ticking, I think I've ticked all the boxes. All the information you need to know has been given. So now we can just sit back and enjoy the music. Here you go, a longer listen to Laughing in the Sunshine by G. Love. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening. To Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here.
1: On Bombshell Radio. Taking my time, taking my time, laughing in the sunshine. In the sunshine. Taking my time, taking my time, laughing in the sunshine. Some moment to pack, sunshine on my back. I got some friends now, staying away. Yeah, the music playing, pushing up the light. I got the move, can't stop it what I'm saying Walk on by, talk on by, laughing in your sunshine, laughing in your sunshine, walk on by, talk on by, laughing in your sunshine, laughing in your sunshine Living, loving, laughing. Some money I can rely on.